Welcome back to another action-packed episode of the Deadly Podcast Kung Fu, brought to you by the villains of man, myself, Justin Raymer, attempts to traverse the continuity of Marvel's most prolific martial artists in Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. If you want to keep up with the podcast, you can do so over on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Deadly Kung Fu Pod. If you want to keep up with myself, Justin Raymer, you can do so over on Twitter at Justin D. Raymer. Today, we're continuing to dive right back into the China Sea saga in Master of Kung Fu, as we hit up issue 67. Now before you continue to listen to this episode. You need to pause it and go back to episode 30. Listen to the episode Claws of the Cat with Mac East. From the Piece by Piece podcast. And then you need to listen to the previous 5 episodes. Before you come back and finish this episode. So you're caught up and you know what's going on in this arc. And the backstory. The issue at hand Master Kung Fu number 67. Was released on May 9th 1978. With a cover date of August 1979. It was released with 14 other Marvel issues, starting with Complete Fantastic Four, Volume 1, Number 33, Rampage, Volume 1, Number 30, Star Wars Weekly UK, Volume 1, Number 14, and if you have not subscribed to our tabletop role-playing podcast, Last Tavern on the Left with yours truly, we got a Star Wars campaign going on now called The Last Grand Admiral that's stuck in the legacy lore of Star Wars that our GM Joe wrote many, many, many years ago before Disney purchased Star Wars. I'm playing a Jedi Guardian or Knight named Nitsuge. So if you would, subscribe to the podcast to give that a listen. We're currently at episode 5 at this time. So give it a listen and hopefully you'll enjoy that. But continuing on with the issues. we got Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1, number 183. Captain America Volume 1, number 224. Crazy Magazine Volume 1, number 40. Doctor Strange Volume 2, number 30. Ghost Rider Volume 231. Marvel Triple Action Volume 143. Miss Marvel Volume 1, number 19. Star Wars Volume 1, number 14. Like I just mentioned, go subscribe to Last Tavern on the left. Listen to a Star Wars campaign. Got Thor Volume 1, number 274. Incredible Hulk Annual Volume 1, number 7. And wrapping up the list, Marvel Classic Comics featuring Robin Hood Volume 1, number 1 to start the series. Now your creative team for this issue titled Dark Encounters is always Doug Minch on writer, Mike Zick as pencils, Fred Keita on inks, colors go to Bob Sharon, letters go to John Costanza, and your editor is Roger Stern, as we've already moved on from Shooter, who's now become like the big big editor-in-chief at Marvel Comics at the time. The cover is done by the legendary Paul Glacey, who's done this book for a long time. I think about issue sometime in the 50s is when he dropped off of the title, which makes me really sad. I really love his artwork. But you can't complain by getting replaced by Mike Zek, because he's a legend as well. Uh, the cover doesn't lead a lot to the imagination. It just has the title Dark Encounters. We see Shang-Chi in a calm, punching position, like he's almost practicing his martial arts in the dark with all these columns behind him. Other than that, nothing that really kind of ties into the story. But speaking of the story, let's go ahead and get into it. Continuing from the last issue, Shang-Chi leaps upon the henchman's boat and begins the attack as Juliet speeds away in their own. Easily dispatching the men, he takes a grenade and leaps back on Juliet's boat as she speeds back by. As soon as they clear the area, Shang-Chi hurls the explosive to take out the enemy watercraft as the men dive off the boat. At the MI6 branch of Hong Kong, Clive Reston agrees to go after Liko. To his surprise, Melissa Grievel states she's going with him. Back at the mansion, Shin, Pavey, and Skullcrusher leave the crates on a boat and leave to meet the assassin's contact. Not long after they depart, Shang-Chi and Juliet arrive. 
As she heads inside to get them food, our hero hides the boat while struggling with his emotions that he knows are wrong but cannot help but feel after last night with Juliet. After eating, she admits to Shang-Chi that she feels that she's in love with him. As the uncertain emotion rises within him, the two kiss. Meanwhile, Kogar is hidden grotto, Liko Wu infiltrates the base to discover it's actually a small city. Unknown to her, Kogar, Black, Jack Tar, and the henchmen have returned with some of the crates of hash. Not fully trusting the undercover agent, Kogar forbids Tar from entering his quarters as they unload the crates. As the agent sneaks around to cover to discover what is in the drugs, Tar is unaware that he is spotted by Liko. As she figures out how to make her way down to him, Clive and Melissa arrive outside the waterfall and find Liko's boat. Spotting a cave up high, both quickly take out two guards and make their way inside. Back inside the grotto, Liko makes her way closer to Tar, only to have Clive and Melissa run into her. As the former lovers yell each other's name in surprise, their positions are given away to every guard in nearshot, including their undercover friend. The trio flees as guns fire at them, while Tar goes to warn Kogar of the intruders. Realizing they're at a disadvantage, Liko shoots the generator to a small city, causing everything to go dark. After some touching and talking, Shang-Chi realizes what he must do. Despite Juliet pleading with him not to go, our hero runs to fight Kogar's henchmen that jumped from the boat he exploded. After a brief skirmish, Shang-Chi knows he cannot win this fight even though he realizes he easily can. Back at the grotto, Kogar's men get back to restoring the generator as others hunt down Liko, Clive, and Melissa. Other henchmen arrive in the dark, warning Kogar not to shoot. As the lights come back on, they have Shang-Chi captured. To his allies in the villain's surprise, our hero wishes to join the smuggler and his operations. Overall, this is a pretty quick issue, not a whole lot of excitement. It's building us here to what we understand is the finale by the end of the issue where we get the little teaser. Uh, like I said, not a whole lot of important stuff. Maybe if you're trying to read in between the lines like I do, you might see stuff happening, and that's kind of what I'm going to pretty much talk about here with this issue. But here's the thing. Um, I have mentioned that I thought we were going to get this love triangle team up at Kogar's base with Liko, Clive, and Reston, and we are getting that. But instead, Doug Minch, because he's this master writer, has brought everyone together in this one issue really, really well. And it's it's pretty awesome. And uh, not only does it make sense that the finale of this arc in the next issue takes place in the city, uh, this is kind of a thing that he always sets up. And I should have caught on to this. Um, with Velcro's uh, Hidden Grotto and the Crystal Connection, you can check that out on episode 19. And then uh, even on Mordillo's Island, uh, during the uh, Set of Mordillo arc, that's episode 21. It's all very James Bond-like. I mean, I guess you could even go to, say, during the uh, Golden Dagger saga with Fu Manchu's flying fortress that he was going to take to base while he nuked the entire planet. At this point, it's become very obvious that the big climactic final issue is going to take place in these areas. Now, the thing with this is, kind of like Fu Manchu's uh, spacecraft fortress, this place is massive and it's very futuristic uh, and it's even got its own monorail system for travel which i thought was kind of cool we've seen that in mordillo's island he had a train system that took him around everywhere they've actually got like one man monorail systems and it's pretty cool um and sadly with one issue to go we'll probably never really get this place in really good detail 
and that kind of upsets me. Like with Fu Manchu's Space Fortress, like we got to explore that thing in all types of different ways through a number of issues. As uh, you know, everybody was scattering. There's a lot of fighting. I mean, he even had a pit full of scorpions in it. So, and sadly enough, we probably will not get that in this book. So, as for the issue itself, uh, the opening is a bit confusing to me because I'm reading them. Uh, especially just automatically, we see Shang-Chi attacking Kogar's men on the boat. And this continues the little teaser we get at the end of 66. And for a moment, I, for some reason, my mind thought this was a battle in 62 when Shang-Chi jumps on Juliet's boat and she's, you know, under the cloak. And all her men attacking because... We're, we've learned that those men were working for Kogar, and they look exactly the same, so it was kind of a bit confusing me. This whole part of this issue is pretty awesome, because Mike Zek does a great job of making the reader, me and you, if you're reading, do this double take with a stone grenade. It kind of confused me, because when I read it, I was like, wow, he's just got a grenade. Where did he get this grenade from? And then when you go back, um, I think it's the second page, we see him as he's hitting a guy with a boat oar. I mean, he's actually reaching for a grenade, but the grenade above it is we see the water. And so your eye is drawn to the action on the right side of the page, not the left side, where his hand and Shang-Chi is actually looking, grabs a grenade. And then even in the, the next page, right after, um, he is front and center. And, like, you don't even realize there's a grenade in his hand because your eye is drawn to the silhouette of the guy with a gun before Shang-Chi jumps over. So, next thing we know, he's hurling a grenade, and it completely caught me off guard. I literally had to double-take and go back and read that. So, good job on Mike Zek drawing your eye away from exactly what's about to happen. Kind of like what we had with the last issue. Uh, love is heavily in this book, or is it? The first thing we have, we have Clive Reston and Melissa Greville going after Liko. Um, and then those two, when they meet up with her, we have the former lovers take shot at each other's over their relationship, which is exactly what I wanted in this arc. I've, I've brought that up because before we know that we're getting the flip side, how Liko and Shang-Chi were always having Clive Reston be the third wheel. And now we got that going on. And Liko, you know, is it being exactly... Like he was. And there's this little smack between them and it's pretty funny. And uh, when they're being shot at after they yell each other's name and surprise us, he says, well, what now, darling? And she says, I thought you were reserving your darlings as well as your orchids these days for Miss Greville here, Clive. So he's already taking shots at he's calling her the names that, you know, he used to call her instead of his new lover that's right there. So we go to the next panel. He responds. This is no time for sarcasm, Dar Liko. He cuts himself off. You know this place better than us, so what do we do? I'm as much a stranger in this paradise as you two lovebirds are, but have you already forgotten your MI6 training? So there's a little spat here between back and forth, a little banners. It's pretty entertaining. And uh, I'm hoping we get more of that in the next issue, as we know that they're going to be stuck together by the end of this issue with um, Melissa. Now, real quick before I move on with this whole love stuff when we get to Shang-Chi and Juliet, I really want to jump back here to Melissa Greville. Um, I've been so confused by this character because first, I I didn't think she was this trained MI6 agent. We, we just know her as the secretary for Sir Dennis Allen Smith. And then we see her karate chopping the phony cops and then diving out of a car without hurting herself. And, you know, then now in this issue, she's never shot a gun before. So she's never killed anybody. So we go from 
or you're not trained to, hey, you look like you're trained and now, you know, you're not trained. Or maybe she just doesn't like guns. Uh, who knows? So I'm very just confused by the character. But let's move on to the uh, love being in the air. We, we get Juliet admitting that she's falling in love with Shang-Chi. And, we, and they set this up really well where he's talking about like he's feeling emotions that he knows he shouldn't feel. And um, we, we get this kiss between them. Now, I don't think that Shang-Chi's in love with her at all. I think I'm right, because I, I don't read ahead here. I think that I'm right, and this is her trying to seduce him, because she's caught up in all this, and she doesn't want him to know that. And she's hoping that, you know, he can win her to her side, because she knows that he can go kick ass and save the day. So, and like I said, they talk about in the panel, and this is straight from the panel, let me uh, pull this up right here. She says, in his monologue, his inner monologue, says, We have touched and talked a long time, but even the strangest of magics cannot banish the reality of fighting and killing because he knows he's got to go to Kogar's base. And um, we do realize that he actually gets the top part of his gi, and she has actually changed into a really nice uh, long sleeve shirt and some very tight pants. Maybe there were some hanky-pankies. She got that Wang Chi. I don't know. I'm going to assume... That he didn't because he does mention Liko when she tries to kiss him in the last issue. And we know that he still cares because he's been processing this ever since the warrior arc. So, um, yeah, I'm still on the board. Juliet's part of this whole thing with the drugs and the micro dots. And she's screwed up and realizes she needs a way out. And she's trying to seduce Shang-Chi to get him to her side. So that brings us to the mystery of these micro dots, and I was right, it, it made only sense, we're, we're talking about James Bond themes here, there is a super weapon, and the plans are uploading all these micro dots. Now I'm not going to act like I know how micro dots are, I've never heard of micro dots, maybe it's a 70s thing, I mean I grew up in the 90s era of computers, we, I'm pretty sure they didn't have micro dots, might just be a spy thing, but Kogar has the plans to build a neutron bomb. And what he says, the it's, it's a fascinating device. I understand the American press has nicknamed it the ultimate weapon that kills people but leaves buildings undamaged. So apparently that's what all this is about. So I have a theory here, and this is kind of my final guess before we go into the next issue. Is the weapon schematics were stolen by Shin for the Chinese government who needs Kogar to build the weapon for them... Because we, we see he's kind of a tech villain. I mean, he's already, in this book, he's went from the Ray corkscrew thing he had in issue 66. He's got like a magnet, a giant magnet on the end of his mechanical arm on the end of this one. But they need a tech guy to build this. And considering the Chinese government doesn't want to be tied to this, they obviously hire the smuggler pirate tech madman to build the weapon because um be seen as threatening activity during the Cold War. So if he launches it, their hands are free of everything and they still get what they want. So that's my that's my final guess here. That's why this is what's happening. Shin stole the plans from the Americans, for the Chinese government. The Chinese government has hired Kogar to build the bomb so their hands are clean so he can launch it. Now, how does Juliet get involved in all this? I'm not really sure. That's one thing I can't figure out because we know there is a split between her and Shin because of Pavane. And, and I think I've already might have mentioned this, but I'm going to say it here now. She might be working for the higher-ups in MI6 that tried to take out uh, Sir Dennis Nayland Smith's team during the Warrior Saga. That would make a lot of sense, because 
Shang Chi's whole thing is like with Smith, you're you're taking orders blindly. You don't even know who you're taking orders from. And he has called this out many times that MI6 is no different than all these world organizations that want like total control and domination. Brent has turned out to be no different. So it would make sense to me that they would contact her and have her be part of this because even though Britain and the U.S. are allies, why would they not want a neutron bomb that can kill people without damage? I mean, that kind of gets rid of any evidence when you kill a bunch of people. Why wouldn't they want that for themselves? Because, you know, that's just how government works and we're talking the Cold War here. So to me, that just makes a lot of sense. So that's what I think we're going to get here in the finale of this issue with a little teaser calling the book Final Combats. Kind of a weird title for the issue. I'm not going to say what's on the cover. I'm pretty excited about the cover once I see it. And I've been waiting for this to come back and happen for a long, long time now. Pretty excited about it. So with that being said, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Deadly Podcast Kung Fu, which we've just covered Master of Kung Fu number 67, titled Dark Encounters. I'm Justin Raymer. If you like my music, check out Kuro over on SoundCloud. Check out the song Rushing Tiger. And if you want to follow the podcast, you can do so over on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and Facebook. But remember, guys, in the end, support your favorite podcast, support your local comic book shops, and keep reading comics, guys. Oh! Oh! Uh.